Maybe he'll come out of this love for me. Maybe he won't. What's up, y'all? How we doing? Some of y'all really looking at me like, if this man talks about Bjork anymore, yo, what? <laughs> We've covered three different chapters, three different big eras. I've saved what could be seen as kind of her consummate album, the kind of pinnacle of her career for last. This is an album that was released in 2015, so it's not her most recent album. Um, she's made a couple of albums since. And this record still, though, stands alone. The name of this record is Volnicura. This is a nine-song record. And even though it is short by song length, it's pretty long by runtime. We have 58 minutes of music across just nine songs. So what are the elements that go into what critics would call an artist's peak? Do those elements always align with what the artist or what the artist fans would call the artist's peak. The reason that I have picked this album as one of the many peaks, but maybe one of the highest, if not the highest of Bjork's peaks. First, I think it gathers inspiration, compositional structure and strategy, and aesthetic ground from all three of the chapters that we've laid out. Two, I think it is a package that is consumable by a broad audience. For the first time in many years in Bjork's discography, felt like it could actually be consumed by and delivered to the masses. So with its breadth and its scope and its range, as well as its precision and conciseness, kind of tight conceptual build, this record really represents kind of the heart of the stone, the final kind of chip away at the marble of Bjork's career. The topic of Volnicura is really central to why I think it is so conceptually accessible to a broad amount of people. Um, we've seen Bjork write about cities. We've seen Bjork write about intimacy. We've seen Bjork write about climate change. We've seen Bjork write about organic matter. We haven't yet seen Bjork write about a breakup. This album is a really incisive and intense microscopic look of the falling apart of Bjork's relationship with uh, American artist Matthew Barney. So in a sense, even Bjork, even one of the most conceptual artists on the planet, um, is not outside of or above the human experience and the artistic experience of a breakup and writing about it. A breakup album. Let's talk first about the Sonics. Bjork is really drawing from some familiar territory in this record. It really shares Sonics with the album Homogenic from 1997. It is this beautiful composite of emotional emotive vocals, orchestral warm emotional strings, and hard electronic beats. That fabric was gold when she hit it the first time feels like something Bjork was meant to do, meant to find, and meant to produce. And in this case, more than once. Almost 20 years have elapsed. And to see her come back to it after so much exploration, so much venturing, 
kind of confirms that she feels at home here too. Now, thematically, this is where I see the record is connected with the second chapter of her career, which was in the early 2000s. In 2001, Vespertine, we heard Bjork describe the inception of this relationship. Now, 14 years later, a record painting the picture of, of that very relationship falling apart. Now, what does this draw from chapter three of Bjork's career, the nature chapter? That's where we get to start talking about both the visuals and the technology. Bjork returns home, metaphorically and literally. She films across various vistas and landscapes in Iceland where she grew up. Five songs on this album received video treatments and each one of these videos explores really deeply and interestingly a different technological format. This was released in the mid 2010s when both photography and videography were kind of going through like another wave of renaissance. The technology was developing really quickly. We had VR, we had 360 degree, we had all kinds of ways to composite multiple video shots and Bjork really takes deep dives into all of them. We'll sample the five songs that also have counterpart videos and I'll do them in order that they were released. Um, so we're gonna start with the first song, Lion Song, which is track number two on the record. So some vocoder effects, some vocal layering. So the lyric there being, maybe he'll come out of this loving me, maybe he won't. So right out the gate, we have that beautiful simple, minimal, but highly impactful combination. We have a single beautiful vocal from Bjork, strong voice. We have the bed of warm, emotional, orchestral strings, and we have the electronic beat. This may sound familiar. I really hear a song that we did talk about in chapter one um, from 1997's Homogenic. This is the song, Joga. Now the video for this song was shot actually, I believe on the photo shoot that birthed the cover art for this album. So Bjork is wearing this headdress that's kind of dripping down to her shoulders that seems like it's made out of some sort of plastic, clear. It's a lot of yellows, like neon highlighter yellows. Um, she's also wearing a black latex suit. There's distortion on the camera that's making her legs look longer. And then over the center of her chest is depicted a large wound. And that's kind of like the centerpiece emotional wound that this album explores. They also zoom in on a different build of the heart where you can actually see the heart pulsing in this kind of three-dimensional, almost like inflated capacity, pressing through um, kind of like what's left of her broken chest. Bjork, I believe, chose the color yellow because yellow um, is meant to represent healing. Um, and so even though there's so much darkness and a lot of the centerpiece colors really dark, like a dark neutral, um, on top of that dark black canvas are these sprinkles of like neon yellow. Okay, the second song released from this record is called Stone Milker, which is 
the first song in order this is about um bjork comparing trying to pull emotions out of the man that she was breaking from um and analogizing it to trying to milk a stone so bjork goes to uh the edge of um the icelandic environment where a bunch of broken um, black stones some of them might have been uh, pieces of lava um, are meeting the ocean and she actually films this video in 360 degrees um, this was very much when like VR headsets came out and we have two different kinds of VR videos for this album from Bjork this one is just a video capture of her um, now she's in kind of a full neon yellow dress dancing along this shoreline of, of Iceland and so if you're just watching it on YouTube she actually slips out of the picture for significant amounts of time because were you to have a VR headset you could turn and she would be either around you or behind you. Also really reminiscent of that sound of homogenic but much more somber, much less for the club or about the bustling city life. What's so interesting here is that Bjork also simplifies the meter. She's been pushing into these strange time signatures, especially in biophilia. We're back to a 4-4. We're back to something that you can sway to. And I think that really helps create the package where you can feel the emotional heft of the song. I think because the concept of heartbreak takes up so much room, takes the shape of any container that it's put in, that a simpler more pared down, minimal, sonic bed um, will really help deliver it in the most impactful way, and Bjork seems to be exploring that. Okay, third song released from this record is a song called Black Lake, which is, I believe, almost a 10-minute song. I think Bjork has said something to the effect of this being the darkest or saddest song she's ever written. Um, effectively, the analogy in this song is that she feels like she is just at the mercy of a black lake or she cannot even see the end of it. It's just this pool of dark emotions. And so to explore this concept visually, she goes to a lava field. She's kind of dancing against these really hard edged dark black surfaces. She's wearing black in this video. She's expressing herself kind of violently in, in places, some um, depictions of lava. I think in the video, it's actually like blue lava breaking through the surface. So really using the concept of lava to depict kind of like the burn of both creation and destruction. One of the simplest openings to a Bjork song that I've ever heard. So the first half of the song, the electronic elements stay kind of tucked and the strings and the voice are really the, the lead characters. As the song goes, they kind of switch places. Fourth song is kind of the, the singular departure thematically from the album. Um, this is a song called Mouth Mantra. It's not a song that focuses on the heartbreaks. Instead, a song that focuses on a chapter where she uh, had to undergo some reparative vocal surgery and as part of her recovery, could not speak, could not make sound. This is one of the Bjork stranger videos that, you know, um, <laughs> may not be for everyone. It's shot with a camera inside her mouth. 
So in this song, we do have some kind of affectations and some distortion and vocoder layering of the voice in a way mirroring the fact that she couldn't use her voice or kind of antagonizing the fact that she couldn't use her voice at all. This one sonically feels like it could exist in many places throughout Bjork's career. Final of the five songs that we're going to explore today called Not Get. Um, Not Get kind of returning to the the core theme here. Not Get actually has two music videos. Um, These are virtual reality videos. One of them using video footage of Bjork with this neon green um, headpiece, which has kind of these like long tentacles that are coming off. And then the secondary video is a fully... I guess, animated or CGI take on those visuals. Both, I believe, meant to be consumed with some sort of virtual reality piece. Um, But you can't watch these on YouTube. I think the experience is kind of like a little limited there. Um, But this is a song called Not Get. So kind of like some East Asian instrumentation here. I'll just quickly also mention and play a moment of History of Touches, which is a sixth song on the album. Just because sonically it takes me back to biophilia a little bit, it reminds me of how she used sound to create the feeling of crystals or the cosmos or of electricity and lightning bolts. So those are some pieces uh, from Bjork's highly acclaimed album in 2015, Volnacura. I really think it serves as a perfect capstone um, in that it's, again, drawing from all three chapters really equally. I do think that the package is some of the best work Bjork has ever done. She doesn't need 15 songs to do it. She just needs nine. The story is very clear to her. She's using instrumentation and electronica as well as collaborators that she is familiar with. She knows exactly how to put this picture together. This is a really, really cool moment where Bjork is doing Bjork. That takes us to the end, y'all. I hope you enjoyed the way that I kind of talk about Bjork or artists or their artistry in general. I try to spend, you know, equal time on how things sound, what the artists are saying, what they're intending to say, and then also what the sound of their voice is and how that whole package comes across. She's the perfect artist to hear many people's takes on because no two people have the same experience with Bjork. And of course, at the end of the day, how it hits you is how it hits you. I would love to hear from y'all, what are the next artists you would like to hear me do this for? Are there folks that have either large kind of canons of work or folks that are a little bit newer? Please let me know, send me some messages, leave them in the comments. I'm excited to do this more. I hope y'all enjoyed this. I hope this winter also finds you listening to some Bjork wherever you may be. And until next time, see y'all. Thanks for joining me on The Vocal.